episode 129. The one where some call me Shim? The Theo Knots Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, you Theo Salemites out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are... The Theonauts! You enjoying your... Uh, you, yeah, you enjoying your apple over there? I am. <laughs> wow. This guy brings apple slices to a, a recording. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to do a recording earlier, and I just started laughing my head off and couldn't stop. It was horrible. So, anyways, how well, you doing, Well, we're Dave? back from a hiatus. We are, man. It's been like, yeah. what, a week or something? Yeah. Two yeah, weeks? Over a week. Uh, two weeks. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, last week, uh, I was in the nation of Haiti. Yes, with so, the Haitians. With a bunch of Haitians, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, was not on the mic. Yeah. Uh, that went amazing. Yeah? Yeah, like it was, of course, it's always pretty amazing. Break it down, break it down, give us some experiences, some awesome things that God did. Oh, uh, let's see. Okay. Well, let me hit the hit with the big one. Okay, okay, you know it's it's like when we go over there, especially to the island of Lagunov, it's like a a prayer amplifier. Yes, like we when we go over there, we pray for people. We do more praying than we do anything when we're over there. Sure. And so we walk around, we pray. We're doing these prayer walks. We visit people, and and every time we go over there, we hear these these um, them saying, "Last time you were here, you prayed for us, and this happened." Like it's constant, constantly telling us that they receive blessings because of the prayers the prayer, that yep. we uh, that we do, and so uh, <clears throat> this particular time, it was we were in the middle of a drought. It's the rainy season for Haiti, right. typically, but uh, right now, at least on the island, they haven't had any s- uh, substantial rain at all since January. So uh, it's really hard to grow stuff there anyway. So it's really been hitting them hard. So when we went around praying, that was the big thing was, sure. you know, pray for the drought. And so we're praying for rain and, and they always want us to, to like worship with them in the evenings. And so, uh, that evening worship, they asked me to speak. And, uh, so I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to preach on? And I, I thought, Hey, we did the, the Theonauts on Habakkuk. Yes. And so I preached on Habakkuk and I was like, okay. This can apply to them because Habakkuk is like, "Where are you, God? When all the bad stuff is happening to us?" And so I right. applied that to their drought and and all the the famine and all that that's, that goes on there, and basically said, "Well, God's answer was it might get harder or it will get harder, but the the righteous shall live by faith." And so that was my whole message: was yes. have faith. God's going to carry you through these rough times, and Amen. that the rain will come. You know, but you must have patience and faith right. and hope. And uh, so that was the message of the evening. So we go back to our camp, and I'm like sleeping in a hammock uh, <clears throat> outside and laying there. About one a.m., I wake up to rain hitting me in the face. <laughs> 
How awesome. It rained for the next seven hours. Oh, my goodness. And uh, so, yeah, it was pretty significant. God just showing up and showing yeah, off. Yeah, we had one of them, uh, one of the Haitians came up to me and said, next time you come, you must stay for over a week so we can receive more blessings. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's like the blessings aren't coming from me. That's right. right? God like, never leaves. Like, no, I'm just a servant like you are. Yeah. And so, but, uh, so that was just one of the major things. There's always these cool events yeah. and stuff. God was definitely leading us all the way. Things that looked like they were um, going wrong for us at times. Then we found out, no, that was a blessing. Like, we, we missed our boat yeah. going back from the island to the mainland. And uh, that's a little 24-man boat that we always take. And it just kind of, it's always a rough ride anyway. Right. Through the, uh, for whatever reason, going that direction across the ocean, it's always rough. And uh, so, but we got on this huge barge instead. It's a ferry. And right. it held like 100 people. It's a big thing, two or three stories tall. Sure. Well, anyway, it, it's really slow, so that's why we never take it. Right. But anyway, we get out in the middle of the, of the ocean between the island and the mainland and the swells are like nuts and we're getting like beat up in this big barge. Like yeah. the swells are coming over the bow and washing down into the hole where we're at and everything. Wow. And uh, everyone was getting sick. There was a communal barf bucket that was Ugh. getting passed around. Wow. And it was just, it was a horrible experience, but, but I kept thinking, Man, we could have been on one of those little twenty-four man boats right, yeah. out here, and I can't even imagine. Surfing those swells would have not been fun. Yes, and I, we had an eight-year-old boy with us. Uh, one of our team members brought uh, his son, yeah, which I was kind of worried about anyway. But he, uh, man, he was so resilient, such a trooper. A trooper yeah, yeah, he was. It was amazing. Like he handled it a lot better than a lot of adults do. Wow. Uh, but anyway. Uh, so God was like working in all of this and guiding us and putting us where we needed to be. And sure. Because the reason why we missed the boat was weird. Like it wasn't even normal. I mean, I could see it like if we just showed up late, but we were there in plenty of time there in the, in the little boat was there and it was only half full. There was plenty of room on it for us. Yeah. Um, and our translator was trying to get the, the guy's attention and say, Hey, we, we need passage. And, uh, finally the guy starts shouting at us and we're like, well, what's he saying? And my translator's like, he tells us that we can't ride because we made fun of him or we laughed at him. Wow. And I'm like, no one here laughed at him. What's he talking about? But whatever miscommunication or whatever misconception he had prevented us from from going going on that boat. Wow. And thankfully, we didn't have to take an eight-year-old boy. Right. You know, across 20-foot swells or whatever they were. That's crazy. <laughs> a little boat, but anyway, God bless the whole trip. It was it was awesome. The uh, we had a couple of of, of newbies guys mm-hmm. who had never been there before went with us, and uh, they each had unique and 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 life changing experiences and and uh, saw um, God at saw work. things that yeah saw God working and saw things that that really made a huge impact on them. Um, one one of them I'll, I'll mention. Um, he one of the images that kind of stuck with him was we were sitting there building. We we're helping to build a church over in Loganov, and so <clears throat> we were sitting there resting on the wall. And uh, this little girl came and sat down next to him, and she starts chomping into this green papaya, like it's not ripe at all. Wow. Like it's just right, you know right off the tree. And it's hard, and she's, you know, just like I was with the apple. Sure. <laughs> and um, um, 
you know, my team member looks over at uh, at our translator and he's like, hey, is that good? And he was like, no, no, that's not good at all. He was like, but that's the only food she's got. So she's eating it. And, you know, wow. it's just heartbreaking. You see that type of thing. And it opens uh, your eyes. And then you come back over here, and it's like yeah. we, go, we go out to eat at Cheddar's the That's other right. night. And, and I order these these Buffalo chicken wraps. wraps. Yeah, yeah, these these chicken wraps. And they, I had like two foot worth of wraps there, and I'm just looking at them going, this is ridiculous. Right. There's no way I'm eating all of this. And, <laughs> it's crazy. and so it's just a, it's such night and day. From what sure. you experienced, and you know, and at one point we didn't bring it. We didn't bring enough shoes. We we had some donors give us some shoes, so we brought them. Right, and we didn't have enough near enough for the number of people that showed up to to be blessed. And so we were like, "Oh man, how are we going to do this?" So we just left it up to the pastor of that little church to determine which ones needed it the most. And I, it just bof- ba- boggled my mind. His wording, he said. Uh, I must determine need from want. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding me? (laughs) Like none of these people are just wanting stuff. Like these, these, all these people need stuff. Yeah. There's nobody. Like everyone here needs a pair of shoes. Everybody's in need. Yeah. Like, but, but what he's basically saying is there's some people here that are barefoot and they're the ones I'm giving the shoes to. That's kind of what he, what he meant. But, the way he worded it, it's like everything's relative, I guess. You know, uh, over here, it's like we say, we use the word need a lot, don't we? Yeah, all the time. I need to get a new, you know, plug for my iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> my TV went out. I need a new one. <laughs> yeah. So it's like... Um, I need a second TV for my guest room. <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah. So anyway, I really need to get that... Uh, NFL ticket this yeah, year. So. That's right. Uh, so anyway, that was the, that was a trip. It was it was awesome. It it always is, and that's uh, life changing, you know. And I've been there once, and I want to go again. And it's just shocking to see. Yeah, we're wanting to go back in uh, November, right? And um, so I'm I'm really wanting to build a team of women, sure, to do the days for girls thing again because it's such a blessing. And Melanie really wants to do that at Loganoff. So I've, between now and then, I got my homework cut out for me because I need to try and figure out how to, um, um, how to make that trip more palatable. For women, yeah. Yeah, because I, I kept thinking we were halfway on that long uh, truck ride. It's like four hours. Yeah. And it's like riding a mechanical bull the whole time. And right. I was halfway through it. My rear end was bruised. My back was bruised. Sure. <clears throat> my feet are stomped on. I can't feel my leg anymore. And I was thinking, man, my wife would be bawling in tears right now. Right. Like, I've got to figure this out. I've got to figure out a better way for us to, to do this. Sure. So we're going to work on that. Wow. And I am dedicating myself to learning Haitian Creole. Yes, 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 um, yes. I can understand here, and li- uh, here, there, and a little there, but... Um, I, I really need to. He convict, God convicted you about learning that language. Well, it's it's really funny because yeah, you know um, I'm, my friend Mike, who is goes with me nearly every time. Right. Um, he he told me he he shows up and he's like he's talking with the Asians now. Sure. Like he's talking Creole with them, and I was like, dude, you've just like nailed this since last time we went. And he was like, well, 
something you told me inspired me to learn Creole. <laughs> awesome. And I'm like, something I said? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you said that if we don't learn their language, we're going to have a really hard time moving forward. Yeah. And I was like, I don't even remember saying that, but apparently I did and it, and it struck him and makes it shames me because I'm like, I'm no further along than I was when I apparently said that. Right. <laughs> wow. So now he's shamed me into like, now I'm convicted. Right. So you got to do <laughs> so it. So I've, I've gone through uh, the first four uh, lessons, lessons on my Haitian Creole uh, Pimsler uh, awesome. program since I got back. So wow, yeah. Well, hopefully so, uh, you get it down pat, man. Mm-hmm. So may we, may we. All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's do this let's thing. Jump into it. So, this is a mysterious one. Very mysterious, and the more I dive into it, the more I, man, it's like uh, you came up here convicted, like you knew what what it all meant. There's and one or two. There's <laughs> there are two theories that I cling to, and, and I I'm pretty sure it's one or the other. Yeah, but there's one that I'm I'm really sure of, and the other one I'm not not quite so right. sure of. So it's, but you can you can seriously go through. <laughs> Some very interesting theories all the way, you know, all the way through history yeah. of who this guy is. So we're talking, so, yeah. So we're talking about Melchizedek. Yeah, Melchizedek, very <clears throat> small, um, featured person in the Bible. Yeah, actually, he's only mentioned a number, number of times, <clears throat> twice in the Old Testament. The rest of the time, uh, the only other mention of him is in Hebrews. Yeah. That we have. Well, why don't we why don't we start with the Genesis reading? Yes, because this is this is is where the guy uh, shows up. His origin and, story, and and mm-hmm. it's it is so like it, like this is like in movies we call this Deus ex machina, right? Or, sure. In, I well, have you're no a literature. Idea what you're talking about. You're a literature guy. Deus ex machina is. Uh, I have no clue what that is. What? Sorry. Come on. Hey, I've. I've taken lit theory, and I have no idea what you're okay. saying right now. Deus ex machina. Deus means God. Yes. Ex machina. Ex machina. This is Latin, by the way. God shows up. God uh, in the machine. God in the machine. So, okay. so basically, the the whole Deus ex machina. Me- machina. Yeah. I get it. Basically means um, that when you're writing the story and you run your, and you write yourself into a corner. You basically just have to have God come up and save the day. Like okay. that's the only thing you can do. Like, right. so, like, and it's usually it's usually perceived as a cheap trick, because like what happens is you haven't written well enough to work your way out of the. What's the problem. matrix? It's the Matrix Three. So yeah, probably, yeah. Sometimes that's a perfect example. Where, so like they've written themselves in a corner and they they have no way. So yeah, they so make all of a sudden, Neo something comes out of nowhere, crucified. <laughs> Yeah, something right. comes out of nowhere and saves you. Yeah. So, uh, uh, unfortunately, I love J.R.R. Tolkien, so don't get me wrong, but the but the Lord of the Rings is full of Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. Okay, like uh, you've... The eagles. Right, the eagles just oh show up out of gosh. nowhere and they sweep him off. I, so, the, more I, the more I read J.R.R. Tolkien, that, that frustrates me there. Well... That's the biggest plot hole ever, by the way. <laughs> Why don't Michael's, the hobbits? Michael's probably listening to this, and he's probably Michael, got answers for all of this. Answer this on your next podcast, and I'll just say this: really, it, it interests me that 
that Frodo, poor Frodo, had to carry that ring all the way across Middle Earth and throw it in a dadgum uh, fire, fire mm-hmm. whenever he could have just hopped on an eagle, flown over there, <laughs> dropped it in, and then gotten back before dinner time. Well, <laughs> Seriously, biggest plot hole of all time. Well, here's the thing about Tolkien, and, and, uh, and I know I'm probably going to get Michael... Like riled up, riled up. <laughs> but, okay, I love Tolkien, but here's Tolkien has his strengths and his weaknesses as far from a literary standpoint. Yeah, strengths mainly is he's immersive. Yeah, he's detail oriented. Like, oh man, like it he just, creates it, and that's the beauty of yeah. the Lord of the Rings. It sucks you in, like you're in their world. Yeah. He's the best world building writer I've ever read. Right, so good. So uh, nah, Hawthorne's pretty good as, as far as immersion. Yeah, so, well, I mean, I've yeah, okay, keep going. So anyway, um, but here's my my weaknesses I see in Tolkien. One, I I do believe that he 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 probably didn't map everything out as he went along, and so that's why you have the Deus Ex Machina happening. Right. But you also have uh, he's not a romantic writer, no, at, at all. And so the the romances in the in the book um, were kind of forced to me, mm-hmm. like the whole. Um, um, my mind's gone blank. Um, <laughs> the the king returns. What's his name? Aragon. Ar- Aragon. So uh, Aragon and the Queen of the Elves. So, so yeah, the that wasn't developed at all in the book. It's developed a little bit in the movie, but it wasn't developed at all in the book. She comes out of nowhere. Right. She's another Deus Ex Machina thing. She comes up out of nowhere and marries him. Yeah. Like he knew her from you know a long time passed but and and i was so bummed because i always wanted him to get with the um with the the rohitam chick you right. know but anyway so i'm getting way off but way off the subject yeah that has nothing to do with so anything any, we're talking about anyway wow. so i, I don't Robin know why, how killed. did we even get in that but okay so this is a deus ex machina yeah it, it reads like deus ex machina because we've never heard of this guy he shows up out of nowhere but this is the beauty of it. And, you know, he shows up out of nowhere. He does his thing. He and he disappears. There's not even a goodbye right. mentioned here. So let's let's read the the passage. Uh, it's in Genesis 14. Let's look at. Uh, okay, set the stage a little bit. Abraham um, is at this time uh, coming to rescue his nephew Lot. Right. He's still Abram. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. So no Lot is in. Sodom and Gomorrah, mm-hmm. and um, he gets captured right. by these four kings from Mesopotamia. Now, this is prior to um, to Babylon, right. but this is the seeds of Babylon. Yes, this is this is a Shinar, Elam. The, these nations that pre-existed Babylon in that area, sure, and they they team up together, which is unheard of. So these four guys team up. And for whatever reason, they want what's in Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. And so they come and they attack all these these cities. There's five cities, or uh, yeah, five five uh, city states along the the Dead Sea. Right. And they come to attack them. And there's this huge battle between nine kings uh, that all happens here. And um, in the midst of this, or leading up to this, Lot had been a uh, accosted, like he'd been abducted from Sodom, right. and and so word got back to Abram, which I think is really cool because Abram is just a 
a nomad. Yeah. Like he's living over here in tents and stuff. Right. And he decides, okay, well, I guess I'm going to war. And he's got like 300 armed men men yeah. that they're farmers but they're or ranchers or whatever but they're trained to fight apparently yeah and he takes this army of guys and goes and kicks some tail yeah like he beats this army of four kings with his small little band of 300 and they really do kick some tail i mean there's no there's no chance they right. they destroy him so so after victory is won then we have this this story with Melchizedek so it says here in verse 17, uh, it says, after his return, it's talking about Abram, after his return from the defeat of Shedelamar uh, and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shedeh, that is the king's valley. Now, uh, the king of, I'm uh, oh, sorry, verse 18, and King Melchizedek of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, maker of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into his hand. And Abram gave him one-tenth of everything. Then the king of Sodom said to Abram... Wait, 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 wait. Your translation says that Abram gave him? Yes, in the original, it says, and he gave him. The original? Yeah, in the original text. Okay. What? In the Hebrew text, which is, that's amb- ambiguous. Oh. Ambiguous. 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 So we don't know what which is, this version which, is which. This is this is the New Revised Standard Version I'm reading from right here. So they, they wrote that in. But so, anyways, keep going. Yeah, it's a translator's... Um, Some people think that it might have been Melchizedek that gave actually the gave a tenth to Abram. Okay, because... Um, in the well, New we'll, we'll, get, though, we'll get to it. There's it some changes. other things that, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that makes it seem like... Well, even the Jews believe that this is Abraham because this sets a standard. Right. Okay, so Abram gave him one-tenth of everything. Then the king of Sodom said to Abram, uh, give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. <laughs> I just think that the contrast right. between the king of Sodom and this king of Salem. Sure. So, uh, But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to my Lord, God most high, maker of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours so that you might not say I have made Abram rich. So anyway... We don't hear about Melchizedek anymore. Like no. that was it. Yeah, that was that was it. But there's it. But he pops up several other places. Okay, so yeah, the next time he's mentioned is actually in Psalm one ten, and it's Psalm one ten is a very interesting psalm too because it's a psalm written by David, and it starts out. Let me see if I can just pull it up here. I had it pulled up, and I have so many. Okay, here it is. Psalm 110. So this is what Psalm 110 says. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sent forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn... You will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. There he is again. So here he is as a priest. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Okay. Now he was mentioned as a priest before he anoints Abram. Yeah. Right. So what's interesting is right off the bat, you have 
a contrast with priest and king. Mm-hmm. That he's both. He's both, which is the a a, a conundrum to the Jewish circle, right? Because they're a priest and they're a king. In fact, uh, they come from two different lineages. Exactly. And when the king tries to step over his bounds and yep. do priest stuff, like what, Saul did, like Saul did, what happens? And uh, what's his, what's the guy's name? Uriah. Yeah. That. Uh, yeah. That, that went into the temple and ended up getting leprosy. Right. Yeah. So I mean, God was pretty strict about those rules. Um, um, so it's interesting that, that this Melchizedek is a priest and a king. And here's another interesting thing. This predates Mosaic law. Oh, yeah. Big time. So there's no such thing as a priest from a Mosaic priest standpoint. Exactly. Like there's never been not, one. It has, Leviticus hasn't been, hasn't happened. Yeah, we, we, we haven't We haven't established yes. Levitical priesthood. In fact, this is the first... Uh, mention of any type of priest in the Bible is Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. He's the first priest. Okay? <laughs> so that's I mean it's just really weird where this comes from because it doesn't it doesn't feel like it fits with anything yeah. else. And he's in not just Jewish a priest, history. he is a priest of the most high God. Yes. He says So he is God's priest. Yes, El Elyon, which yes. is that most high God, and we talked about that in the name of God's what yeah. that what that means. For more information, please the, tune in to the Theonauts episode one hundred and twenty eight. Right. So El Elyon sets basically it's the God above all other gods. Yes. Right? Most high God. So let's let's okay. So let's break down this guy. Uh and then Hebrews has a lot to say about Melchizedek. Yeah, he shows up several times there. Yeah, which is which is really weird. But let's uh, let's look at a couple of those, I guess. Um, Hebrews seven, I guess, is the best place to go for this. If you want to look, okay, I got Hebrews seven, the first verse. Yeah, start in verse one. This King Melchizedek of Salem, priest of the Most High God met Abraham as he was returning from defeating the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned one-tenth of everything. So in in Hebrews, it says that Abraham did it. Mm -hmm. Keep going. His name, in the first place, means king of righteousness. Next, he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. Okay, the the word Salem can also, that's where Shalom comes from. In Hebrew, right. and so shalom means peace. Um, and then verse three here it gets interesting. Yes, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. See how great he is! Even Abraham, the patriarch, gave him a tenth of his spoils. <laughs> and those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to collect tithes from the people, that is, from their kindred, though these also are descended from Abraham. I think it's interesting, it continues and talks about the tithing and all, but right. I, I find it interesting that there is more about Melchizedek right here than there is in the original text <laughs> where he shows up. That's right, which is very odd, yeah. again, like, um, so weird. But. Okay, now I want to address the without father, without mother, without genealogy. Before we do that, let's talk about his name because his okay, name, yeah, let's do King that. of Righteousness, which is kind of important. Um, so, in the original Hebrew, there it's actually two words: Maleki and then Sedek. Okay, right. So Maleki means king, Malik uh, or Melek 
is is the actual king, okay? And then Sadek means righteous or righteousness. So this could have either been his name. Or a title. Or a title. Yeah. Okay? Which is really important because he, he he's... It, and it looks to me in the original Hebrew... More like it's a title because in the book of Jasher, yeah, I've got the book of Jasher. Just happen to have it right here. Yeah, you? what is his name? In the okay, book of well, Jasher? the book of Jasher records this, and we don't get any more detail, really. Well, right. we get a little bit more detail. That'll that'll jump out on yeah. uh, off the page like crazy here, but in a minute. But um, um, now, bear in mind, the book of Jasher. I don't consider that to be holy writ. It's not inspired by God, in my opinion. Right. But the Jews gave it a lot of. Credit right. and it's also mentioned in the Bible right. as are these things not recorded in the Book of Jasher? <laughs> okay, but anyway, if if we read in the Book of Jasher, chapter sixteen, verse ten, it says, "And Bera, king of Sodom, and the rest of his men that were with him went out from the lime pits into which they had fallen to meet Abram and his men, and Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, the same was Shem." went out with his men to meet Abram and his people with bread and wine, and they remained together in the valley of Melech. And Adonizedek blessed Abram, and Abram gave him a tenth from all that he had brought from the spoil of his enemies, for Adonizedek was a priest before God. Okay, so the same guy. It's obviously the same story. Yeah, it's the same story. The name's a little different. Adonai, which also means... Lord. Lord. Yeah, so for more information, please tune in to the Theonauts episode 128. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Adonai is also a name of God, but uh, which is kind of cool given what, where we're going to go with exactly. some but Adonai, But Adonai Zedek basically is another way of saying Melchizedek. Right. Because it means king of righteousness or god of righteousness or uh, uh, lord of, of justice. Right. So it's all kind of the... Exactly. So Adonai Zedek or... Melchizedek, this is a title, in my opinion. And this is what I think it is. Okay. I don't think it's his actual actual sure name. That's not Oh, what, what about he, the other thing that just popped off the page there he, while we were reading? We'll get back to that in a second. That's a spoiler <laughs> alert, which is ruined. <laughs> but you uh you had that other thing you wanted okay, to Okay, yeah, I want to talk about the whole without father, without mother thing. Yes. Okay, so what we're what we're dealing with here is no, before okay, before you do this, sorry. I just gotta throw okay. this one out here. <laughs> One second. It, I'll get to it sooner or later, guys. Uh, you will, but this is so funny. So you say without father or mother, there is a tradition, and it's in the uh, second book of Enoch. <laughs> this is great. That believes that Melchizedek was born of a virgin. So without Oh, yeah, yeah. Without father, right? This, uh, this is just some weird Jewish so um, Yeah, so Fohens... The the wife of Ner, who's the brother of Zo- Noah, mm-hmm. the child came out of his mother after she had died and sat on the bed beside her corpse, already physically developed, clothed, speaking the blessing of the Lord, clothed. and marked, yeah, clothed, came out clothed <laughs> and talking, um, marked with a badge of priesthood. Forty days later, Melchizedek was taken by the archangel Gabriel or Michael in some manuscripts to the Garden of Eden and was thus preserved from the deluge or the flood, right? <laughs> oh, so it, without father or mother, I, I obviously, thought, right there. I thought it mentioned that he was like came out circumcised and everything. No, though, there's 
there is a Jewish priest in the line of the Midrash who believes oh, okay. that he came out circumcised. Uh-huh. Like, God, this was the idea. You talked about how Melchizedek was way before the law was ever even given to, yeah, yeah. to, to Moses, right? Mm-hmm. Well, God gave the law to Abraham or Adam. Adam taught the law to Noah. The this tr- is Midrash. Yes, this translated through... It just sometimes. Well, yeah. So Melchizedek knew the entirety of the law. In fact, he had been born to follow the law without, that's why he was called the king of righteousness, without messing up at all. Now bear in mind, we're talking Jewish traditions here, Jewish legends. These are Jewish legends, Jewish traditions. Uh None of it is biblical (laughs) at all. But it's interesting because these are ancient (laughs) beliefs about this guy. So, Okay, so Book of Hebrews. Yes. Go back. Rem- up, sorry. Remember who the book of Hebrews are written to? Hebrews. Hebrews. So the 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 people that he's talking to here, they have a Hebrew mindset. They yes. think like Hebrews. They are Hebrews, right? So, um, so I want to talk just a little bit about Hebrew lineage and Hebrew um, Hebrew uh, poetry and that sort of thing. So first off, lineage is important mm-hmm. for a Hebrew, like. If you don't know what what tribe you're from, if you don't know your lineage, then you're pretty accursed. Yeah, and um, that's a that was a lot of the problem. With for example, the Samaritans, part of the Samaritans off put the reason why they were so off putting to the Hebrews was because they could no longer trace their lineage. Right, they had been uh, bred out by the Assyrians. Mm-hmm. And so there was mixed blood. They were half-breeds, in their opinion. Uh, so lineage is important. David cuts off Saul's, the the hem of Saul's, Saul's garment. And it's like, why was that such a big offense? Why did David feel so guilty? Why did he shout out and say, oh, Saul, I'm sorry, I, I snuck in and I cut off the hem of your garment? It was like, why was that such a big deal? Well, because the hem of the garment is where they wore their lineage, like it embroidered their lineage. Right. And so basically as a metaphor of saying, I'm I am cutting you off from your lineage. So it's a very important thing. Okay. That's also why we have all these endless chapters of genealogies. The first nine chapters of First Chronicles, uh, Genesis five, Genesis ten. All these these passages were so and so begat, so and so, and so and so begat, so and so, and then he died. Okay, so you have this is this is the tradition yeah. of the Hebrews. You record your lineage, you record your death, and your life is now like stamped in the annals of time. Yeah. Okay, so what the Hebrew writer here is doing is when we go back and we read, because Melchizedek shows up in a deus ex machina fashion, in the Old Testament, we don't get a recording of Melchizedek's parentage, his lineage. We don't get a recording of his death. We don't get a recording of his birth. Like, n- none of the traditional Hebrew lineage things are there. Right. The, the way it's presented in the Torah... Yes. He's there for two verses, and that's it, and they don't give any recording of his lineage. Right. And so because it's presented that way, from a written standpoint, mm-hmm. he has no birth. From a written standpoint, he has no death. 
So what the writer of Hebrews is doing is making an, an analogy. From a Hebraic poetic lineage standpoint, he's saying he didn't have a father, didn't have a mother, didn't have a death, didn't have a birth. He's not necessarily meaning literally this man, Melchizedek, never was born and never died. What he's saying is that there's, I'm building a metaphor and I'm making Christ in the image of this guy and this guy in the image of Christ. And since Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever, he's using Melchizedek as an example. You can't find Melchizedek's lineage, so therefore, metaphorically, he's immortal. He's, right. he, he has, he's always living because we've never read of his death, yeah. that type of thing. Right. So that's what he's, he's actually saying here. But there are some theories, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to, to steal your thunder, but there are some theories that might even bring a more literal... Well, let's go into the Christ on. theory, which is uh, one of the two main ones. Okay. okay? So one of, the, one of the theories is, is that he was an actual thenophomy, right? Which is yes. like he was actually Christ in the flesh. Melchizedek was Jesus. And a pre-incarnate... He, a pre-incarnate uh, Christ. Right, Christ. Who came and anointed um, Abraham. And there's a lot that fits with that. For example, Psalm 110. Yes. Who is David writing that to? Hmm. Which is a very interesting thing. Right. Um, now, some some Jewish priests say that David is writing it about himself. The Lord said to my Lord, he's talking about himself as king. Yeah, but then he turns around and says he's a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Right. <laughs> which David was not. But if you look at Psalm 110, mm -hmm. and you look at the whole thing, and I didn't continue reading on, it becomes very... Uh, apocalyptic literature, right? Yeah, yeah. So it talks about judging the nations and destroying and all this stuff. And it talks about this person in line after Melchizedek. Well, to me, this is a Christ prophecy. Yeah. Right? That's, that's all it can be. There's nothing else that fits. It, sound, it sounds like a messianic. It's a messianic prophecy. prophecy. Jesus fulfilled those things. And so if that's the case, the Melchizedek seems a lot like Jesus. The other thing is Hebrews is all about... Melchizedek and Jesus correlation. Mm -hmm. First off, it's all about setting up Jesus as greater than what the Hebrews were worshiping. Exactly. So the big thing was th this conundrum: priest and king. Mm. Okay. So Jesus is both the high priest, the great high priest, right? Yes. Of the order of Melchizedek. That's why he's able to bring his offering. Yes, it's a God. great example to them to understand Jesus. Right. Because they knew Melchizedek. Right. They knew the 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 all the the myths and the legends and the 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 mysteries surrounding this character. Exactly. And so this correlation is Jesus can be both he was the king, right? He was the mm -hmm. of the line of David, but he was also the high priest who brought the sacrifice. So the image that Hebrews is trying to portray to the Hebrews is that Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we, we don't need to continue on in this line anymore. He's the new thing, um, which would make him in a lot of, a lot of people would look at it and go, okay, well then Melchizedek was Jesus, right? <laughs> um, this whole idea about without end, right? Which is repeated in Psalm 110 is the first place we see it. His, his, Basically, his priesthood is without end. And then repeat again, all through Hebrews, a lot of people go, 
Well, the, there's only one that really his priesthood is without end, and that's Jesus because he's continually interceding right at the right hand of the Father for us, right? Yeah. So that would make sense that he's Melchizedek, right? Mm-hmm. Like literally, like that's like if you take Hebrews very literally, literal. Yes. Then you would have to take a super literal translation. So if he was a theophany of Jesus, in other words, this is pre-Jesus' birth, this is a um, a pre-incarnation of him, mm-hmm. then at that time, yes, he had no birth, he had no death, he had no genealogy. So from a literal standpoint... He fits that mold. He, he fits the mold. You found another really interesting passage when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. Yeah, you know, I actually pulled, pulled it up right here. Okay. It happens in John 8, Yeah, and it's just kind of coincidental, or maybe not, <laughs> that... The subject of Abraham comes up. Yeah. Okay, so he's having this debate with them, and they basically blame or accuse him of having a demon in him. And this really gets him riled up. He's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You're the one that is after your father, the Satan, (laughs) your father, the devil. And so anyway, he has this big argument with him, and Abraham comes up. It says, uh, I want to look here in verse 52 of John 8. So the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say, whoever keeps my word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? The prophets also died. Who do you claim to be? And Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me. He of whom you say he is our God, though you do not know him, but I know him. If I would say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your ancestor Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. It says, Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? (laughs) Jesus said to them, Verily, truly, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Now, Jesus is definitely declaring himself the son or God at that moment. But For more information on the I am, please see the last episode. But there is a lot of tie with this whole idea of Abraham meeting Jesus. Yeah, obviously, however Jesus said what he just said here, he gave them the impression... That he had seen Abraham, because that's what their question was. You're not even 50 years old, dude. Yeah. Have you seen Abraham? And if this was a theo- if the Melchizedek was a theophany of Jesus, it could have been. Then yes, right. He had met him face to face prior right. to this. Well, okay, and there's one other really interesting little thing, and you know, I don't know how much this is give or take, but for the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a, a tiny little fragment that they found among the Dead Sea Scrolls. 11Q13 is what it's called. Yeah. 11Q <laughs> Malek the, is also what it's the called. The Book of Q. Yeah, 11Q Malek. And this fragment, dated around the end of the 2nd or the start of the 1st century BC, is about Melchizedek. And what it says is that he is a divine being, and... Hebrew titles as that the Hebrews title as Elohim, uh, that he will proclaim the day of atonement 
He will atone for the people who are predestined to him, and he will judge the peoples. <laughs> Which, I mean, that is Jesus. Right. <laughs> okay. So you have that going for you. Okay. Yeah. It's a very interesting little so, thing. And you can't, they, they don't describe it to anything. It's just a little. So what about, let's, let's talk about all the, all the little things around Melchizedek that are very Jesus-like. Okay. Okay. So we do have the, the, the prophet and, or the priest and king thing going on. Uh, but we also have, uh, in that little bitty passage, we, we notice something. Melchizedek brings gifts to Abraham. Yeah. He brings him wine and bread. Yeah. Now, this seems very <laughs> coincidental yeah. or not, that he would bring the same thing that represents Jesus' blood and Jesus' body. Like, Jesus takes the Passover and says, it's all about me. And this is what it is. This is the blood, and this is the yeah. the body, and and so here's Melchizedek bringing relief to the soldiers in this way. He's bringing them bread and wine. Sure. So I just thought that was a, a really cool, very interesting coinciding. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's called the King of Righteousness. Yes. Which I mean, that's a big deal, right, right there. Right. The his title is King of Righteousness, and the Jews ascribed to him as being perfect as according to the law before the law was even established mm-hmm. because he's a priest, right? <laughs> before the law, before was, even the given. law was even given and yeah. priesthood was ever a thing in, in Israel. Mm-hmm. So which, which is so like mind blowing when you think about it. Mm-hmm. So um, for the Jews, there are two lines of priesthood. There's the line of Melchizedek and yeah. there's the line of, Aaron, the high priest, right? Or that, you know, the, the high priest, the Levitical priest say. And then you, you might also ask, why in the world did this set a precedence for tithing to God? Mm. Abraham gives tenth, tenth of the spoil to, to this king of righteousness. Right. So it's like, and that became the model. Yeah. Okay, this is what we do for God, right? Oh, Wow. You've you, they in and of themselves built the model that right. this is a godly incarnation that they're giving to, right? And so, so I think we've solved it, right? That that Melchizedek was Jesus, but oh, you think so? But wait, there's more. Should we go to the Book of Jasher again? We should go back to that Book of Jasher and reread that passage. Okay, that yeah, there was read something that we don't want to miss here. Yeah, uh, verse eleven says and. Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, um, the same was Shem, went out with his men to meet Abram and the people and gave him bread and wine. Okay, so the other side of this coin, the other very real possibility who Melchizedek could have been is Shem, which is why the book of Jasher says king of Sh- or it's Shem. Shem. Yeah. Right. By the way, this guy, the, the title, it refers to Shem. So who is Shem? Who is Shem? Shem is, he, obviously... He's the son of Noah. Son of Noah. That's right. One of the three sons of Noah. Um, big deal about him was that he was considered one of the righteous sons of Noah. Um, and he was... Unlike Ham. Yeah, unlike that horrible guy, Ham. Um, most people attribute it, and it it actually works. It makes sense if you actually look at 
Shem was alive during the time of uh, Abram mm-hmm. uh, because he lived 600 and some odd years. Right. And he was a ruler mm-hmm. over Jerusalem mm-hmm. at the time. And Salem is Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Right. Right? So that makes absolute, total, and perfect sense. Now, what what the the a lot of Jewish culture claims is that Adam passed on his priesthood. And by the way, uh, Adam is referred to as son of man, right? Or son of man. No, son of God. Yeah. Right? Um, Jesus, so this, this idea is that Adam passed on his mantle to, through to Noah, right? Mm-hmm. Noah passed it on to Shem. Right, and so Shem was knew the law and was the priest uh, of of the Most High God, right? Because he was taught in that lineage, and you got to look at the that isn't Abraham from the lineage of Shem? Yes, he is. He's so this a, would have been like he's a grandson of Shem. Yeah, great grand great granddad. Yeah, he's a grandson of Shem. So that makes total and complete sense when you look at it like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can go with the Hebrew <laughs> tradition. And, I mean, there's not a lot on that except for almost unanimously all the Jewish rabbis. The rabbis. If you ask them that. who Melchizedek is, they're going to say, oh, that was Shem. Yeah. <laughs> right? Which which doesn't negate anything that the Hebrew writer said, by the way. No, it doesn't. So, so even though the Hebrew writer is saying he doesn't have a father, doesn't have a mother, and we know that Shem had a father, his name's Noah. Right. But... Um, but remember what I was saying earlier about how Hebrews thought and how they wrote. This is from a literary standpoint. He yeah. didn't have a father and mother because he's not named. Right. And he's not given a lineage. So it still holds true. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I think that those two theories... I also heard the theory that Shem built the pyramids. Oh, really? The pyramids of Giza. See, I haven't ever studied that. Really? But I... Uh, yeah, that's interesting that you brought that up. <laughs> There's a lot of mysteriousness around yeah. this, this ship. So why would he build the pyramids of Giza when he's over being the king of Salem? <laughs> I don't know. That makes no sense to I, me. I don't know. It's just one of those things that's out there. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, it's a really cool thing because Hebrews correlates this idea that 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 like of the line of Melchizedek, Jesus' priesthood lasts forever. Yes. Right? Yes. And he is constantly and always interceding for us. Um, which is kind of cool. Like, yeah, like, and so I mean, the bottom line is, regardless of who he physically was, right? We know who he metaphorically was, exactly, and that is our our Lord and Savior Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Yep. That that's the model that was being built, and so you know, in Psalms forty uh, says, "Lo, behold, the book is about me." Like this is Jesus talking. So, right. um, the he is everywhere in the scriptures, like yep. on every page you can find Jesus Christ there. And this is one of the big glaring places where, um, where Jesus is brought out right. in the old Testament, either literally or figuratively, either way, he is, he is the priest and the King Amen. of both Jerusalem and our lives. That's right. And the world and peace. Yes. Which is great. Shalom. Shalom. All right, that's all I got on that thing. Uh, you got some news for us? That was fun. I love that study. That's really yep. interesting. And now, the news. All right, well, it's been like a really bad week.
for people. <laughs> yeah. um, the U.S. has launched missiles at, at the Syrian base over chemical weapons attack. Mm-hmm. Yet, so Assad attacked his own people with chemical weapons, killing tons of people. And uh, finally, the United States, who has been holding off since, I don't know, what was it, 2008 or something? Yeah. <laughs> uh, to, to do anything, responded with sending 59 Tomahawk cruise missiles uh, at Syria. The response has been crazy. Uh, Russia has been upset. So as... Uh, Which is really funny. It was like, make up your mind. North Korea. Is Trump a Russian or is he not? I know. I agree with that. <laughs> it's very interesting. So everybody's like, oh, watch out for Russia. But I'm like... Didn't they want... He just fired on Russia's out. Exactly. <laughs> what are you talking about? Without congressional approval. Exactly. It's so funny. Well. Anyway, so uh, we need to be praying for um, the people over in Syria. Like always, we need to be praying for them because there's a lot of bad stuff going over there. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. But uh, So that's in the news. Uh, did you hear about the Palm Sunday attack in Egypt? Yes, I did. Sad thing. Um, yeah. Uh, death toll rose to around ISIS. yeah 49. Um, the state media reported at least 27 people died in a blast inside a church in the northern city of Tanta, and 78 people were injured, according to Egypt's state-run news agency Al-Harim. Um, in Alexandria, 18 civilians and four police officers were killed when a suicide bomber blew himself up after outside the Coptic church mm. in Al-Harim. So... A couple churches, a couple Coptic churches blown up on Palm Sunday, and then ISIS claimed responsibility for the attacks, and they said they were going to basically ramp up their their uh, fight against Christianity. Wow. Um, so, yeah, be in prayer for the people in Egypt, for is, the Christians Is this in, in Cairo? Um, Alexandria and Tanta, so I don't know. Oh, okay. I, don't I just know that uh, back in 2007, whenever we went to Egypt... We toured the uh, Christian sector mm-hmm. of, I think it was Cairo. And so I was just kind of wondering if, if any of those guys that we met over there mm. were involved. But Did you see the pyramids? Yes, I did. It's pretty cool. Do they let you like go up to them? Oh, yeah. You can actually climb on them. There's big signs that say do not climb on them, but you can climb on them. Yeah. <laughs> we got a picture of Kevin by the sign that says do not climb on them, and he's like up on the second row of the pyramid. Wow. <laughs> There's it's it's a weird thing, yeah. They 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 uh, it's it's like a uh, it's like over here. If the pyramids were here in America, they'd be roped off and you wouldn't be able to get fifty fifty foot from them, you know. Right. But over there, it's like nah, not big deal. Everyone's like rubbing up against them, and it's not a big deal. And huh. and uh, everyone there is like the minute they touch you, they wanted a, they want a dollar for it. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. Wow, totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, so an SEC football coach uh, has gotten demands from an atheist group to stop tweeting Bible verses. Uh, Hugh, Hugh Freeze, he's the head football coach of the University of Mississippi and a frequent tweeter of Bible verses, pastorally quotes, and sort of uplifting spiritual sentiments you use to find in Family Christian Store Day Cloud. Is, <laughs> is your Twitter account not personal? I mean, why? Right. just because you're a coach, the FFRF, that's the Freedom from Religious Foundation, 
Freedom has, from religious. Yes, freedom from religious. Yeah. Religion Foundation has dropped a press statement saying Freeze's Twitter habit creates the appearance that the university endorses Freeze's tweets and the religious promotion therein. The letter went on to insist that the University of Mississippi take immediate action to make sure Freeze is aware that he cannot promote religion while acting as a university employee. So if he was promoting atheism, he'd be all right. Yeah. But if you, that wouldn't that wouldn't give us the idea but that, he was the, tweeting, that the college is atheistic. That's insane to me. The First Amendment protects the right of Americans like Coach Freeze to engage yes. in religious expression on their personal Twitter accounts. Yes. It's ridiculous that they would even come close to trying to fight that. But that's the age we live in. Mm-hmm. Because of where you work, you can't say anything about Jesus. Mm-hmm. How ridiculous. Messed up. Messed up world we live in. Yerp. Hank Hennegraff, you know that? The yeah. Bible Answer the Man. The Bible Answer Man. He's a preterist, by the way. He's joined the Orthodox Church. Like the Eastern Orthodox? <laughs> like the Eastern Orthodox Church. People who grow up to church, going to church whenever the doors were open might be familiar with Hank Hanegraaff. He hosted a popular radio show as the Bible Answer Man, a sort of superhero biblical trivia, who fielded callers' biblical questions with his encyclopedic scripture acumen, not to be confused with the Bible man who was more of a literal superhero and thoroughly, deeply evangelical <laughs> take on Christianity. I'm reading this from Relevant Magazine. I love that so- <laughs> the Bible man. Have you ever heard of Bible oh, man? Oh, yeah. The guy in the purple outfit with the gold. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, man. But no more. According <laughs> to Facebook, to a Facebook post from the Orthodox priest named Father Thomas Sor- Soroka, Hennegraff, his wife, and two of uh, their 12 children have been baptized in the Eastern Orthodox Church. That's in Charlotte, North Carolina, to be precise. The news may come as a shock to people who are raised on Hennegraaff's rigidly Protestant radio show. Yeah. But as Bob Bowman notes uh, at Religious Researcher, Hennegraaff's doctrine has been trending Eastern Orthodox for a while now. As he writes, although Hennegraaff's conversion to Orthodoxy is a dramatic development in a way his theology and religiosity has been in almost constant movement throughout his nearly three decades at CRI. Wow. I'm actually a subscriber to CRI's newsletter. Wow. I haven't seen any Eastern Orthodox thing on there yet. Yeah. But, but yeah, there's a book right there by Hank Hanegraaff, The Apocalypse Code. <laughs> Not everyone was pumped about Hanegraaff's news. The always cantankerous pulpit and pen bombastically declared that Hanegraaff had left the Christian faith. Others, like well-known Christian author Brian Zund, said Hanegraaff's conversion was a definite improvement. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think it's kind of, you know, audacious to name your show the Bible Answer Man. You, know? I, you go to Lifeway next week and see if his books are still on the shelves. <laughs> I bet you they won't be. So you're saying I got a collector's item up there? Yeah, you might. You might have. Survey. Most Americans like the Bible, but are too busy to read it. That's the most obvious statement I've ever read in my life. (laughs) 
Every year, the American Bible Society releases a big study on the state of the Bible. Obviously, it ends up being more about the state of America, since the Bible has pretty good track <laughs> record stretching back, oh, roughly the beginning of time. America, on the other hand, has seen better days, and the survey notes as much. A whopping 81% of Americans agree that morals are on the decline in the United States, a 5% increase from last year. But about 6 out of 10 Americans say they think they should be reading the Bible more. So if you're feeling bad about skipping your daily Bible reading, you're definitely not alone. Only one in five Americans actively read and study the Bible on a regular basis. One in five. One in five. That's still a high number to me. Yeah. Like actively reading it? Yeah. And and the <clears throat> half of those are lying. I would think, yeah, I would think that one in five <laughs> would be a high number for your church. Right. Much less just the average American. Yeah. But Wow. It's crazy. So, anyways, that's that's all I got today. Really? Yeah, I didn't do any Pope moves. I was too fascinated by Melchizedek. I just kept like focusing <laughs> on him and didn't pull up any news. But well, do you want to do some trivia? Yeah, bring it on. Where's your cards? Though I keep pushing the button. The old trivia. You got all the easy cards last time, remember? Yes, 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 y'all. And it don't stop. <laughs> They're applauding for me. Yeah. Or, or were they? Yeah, they were. Well, I was trying to yeah, I saw play that. my little guy here. The That's so cute. <laughs> all right, so uh, history and geography? Um, Is that what I'm on? I, oh, I don't know what I'm on, but that's fine. I'll do that. Or yeah. is that what you want? I, that's what I want to read to you because oh, okay. <laughs> this is this is supposed to be a Bible trivia game, right? It is, but history and geography is history also. So who wrote the melody for the Carol Joy to the World? Oh man, where's my buttons? Give you a clue. He also is famous for another really grandiose Christmas. I'm going to say Isaac Watts. No. My buttons aren't working. No, it was Frederick Handel. Oh, Handel. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Handel's Messiah. Hallelujah. Yep. The Hallelujah Chorus. All right, what do you want? I don't care. Whatever. Just All right, well, since you gave me history and geography. Throw at me. No! Fine. <laughs> You're just like my wife when we got to eat. <laughs> what do you want to eat? I don't, uh-huh. I don't care anything. Oh, yeah? How about pizza? No, she's you know, listening not to in, that. I'm not in the mood to pizza. She's listening. Well, she doesn't she listen, so I can beat her up all I want. Oh, so. wow. She doesn't listen? No. Your wife doesn't, doesn't listen to our show? Oh, actually, she does. She's She listens to it when she walks. So, sorry, honey. <laughs> I'll have some pizza tonight. Okay, that's, so that's history and geography. Yes. What name occurs most frequently in the titles of the books of the Bible? I don't even understand that question. What name appears most in the titles of the Bible, uh, titles of the books of the Bible. So what title appears most? No, what of? name? There's there's a name that appears. Yeah. So there's like... For Peter. No. John. Yes! Dang it! 
Uh, so you got first, second, third John, yeah, that's and right. Book of John. Yeah, that's right. So you got like four. Uh, so that was kind of a weird question. Yeah, that was a strange question. <laughs> okay, let's go with letters, numbers, and sequences. I haven't done that one in a while. Which book of the Bible immediately precedes Amos? <laughs> Minor prophet. We should talk about Amos. Have we done an Amos no, yet? No, we, we haven't. We did Malachi. We should do that. We need Amos. Malachi. I'm going to say uh, Nahum. No. <laughs> I, I need to, to know the song. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> I've never memorized the that part of the Bible. The Joel. Joel. Oh, okay. All right. So what do you want? Uh, do New Testament. New Testament, yeah. To whom was Jesus referring when he said, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven? <laughs> Dead people are saints. <laughs> 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 They're the totally res- single. The resurrected. <laughs> yeah. Or the risen dead. The yes. risen dead. <laughs> the walking dead. Oh, uh, do we have our scripts? Are we going to do want to do one more? Let's do one more. All right, do one more. I'll, I'll do the Old Testament. Where's the script though? Because we got to find Yeah, you find the script. While, All right, you, okay. you can find the script while I'm playing the gibber script. All right, go ahead. Old Testament, right? Yeah, yeah, you're going to read to me the Old Testament. Um, who wrote the following line? The love Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. Whoa. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, look under that pile right there. David said that in reference to Jonathan. Jonathan, which a lot of people were like, hmm. Yeah, this, people just do not understand the culture of that time. Yeah, they There's no nothing gay going on right. in that relationship. For crying out loud, David was a maniac when it comes to women. Yeah, he was. Like, he was a maniac. Yeah. So, okay, but anyway. So, okay, what do you want? <laughs> he, he, like... <laughs> He slaughtered how many Philistines and cut off their yeah. foreskins for yeah. a woman's yeah. hand? Yeah, for Michael. Yeah. And then he was like, hey, back when, when he when he finally got the throne, he was like, you know what I want? I want my first wife back. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Go get her. Yeah. So, yeah, this dude, was he was anything but gay. <laughs> That's right. All right. Okay, so. Um, prophecy. Prophecy. Oh, yeah, you're diving in deep. Yep. Let's see. How many books of the Bible? Oh, my God. (laughs) Why? (laughs) How many books of the Bible refer to the last world war by the name of Armageddon? Armageddon out of here. I'm a getting it. Yes, I'm a getting it. <laughs> That's hilarious. A little Def Leppard there for you. Yeah, there you go. Any ideas? Four. Two. Three. 
one. <laughs> Just Revelation? I thought Daniel. Re- no, Daniel wouldn't do that. Revelation is the only Armageddon one. wasn't even a thing. It's a Greek Daniel, word. Why would I? That's <laughs> <laughs> the Valley of Megiddo. That was originally my, I was going to say one, but then I'm like, wait, does he say something about that in the Olivet Discourse? And I'm like, wait, nope. does Daniel say something about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm done. All right. We are horrible tonight, by the way. Yes. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com. Wait a second. Just a second. I'm going to come back to this. Okay. I need to give a shout-out. Okay. What's your shout-out? I got to give a shout-out to a patron. A patron. Yes. 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 We have our first patron. Yes. Alexander Segura. We like you. Thank you, brother. You're such a blessing. Thank you. He, he is donating and donating decently yes. to our Patreon account. Praise the Lord. So We need that. You know, it's a good thing because it helps us keep focused and keep going with this thing. And we really want. Yeah, that was a huge supercharge. Yes. I mean, it's not going to make us quit our day jobs. That's right. <laughs> But, but but hey, it helps with covering all the struggle and costs. So yeah, thank so. you, brother. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all our shows, including Find a Crescent in Cinema and the Secret Fire Podcast. Oh, visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher, and be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience there are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270 tweet to us on twitter using at theonautical like us on facebook at facebook.com slash theonauts and if you like us like alexander does yeah and want even more theonauts Drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash theonauts. Your patronage helps in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, David. I got a button here somewhere. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. That video room ain't going to be a youth hangout. <laughs> the Theonauts. <laughs> Episode <laughs> You can't do that.